It's your host, Dylan Dowdy. Another uh, $0 budget for the Get Smoked MMA podcast. In the Another week in the space of MMA. We're in a very festive time of year. No matter if you're Jewish or, you know, you're Islamic or... Uh, Christian or whatever that other thing is, I'm just playing, guys. I'm, you know, I'm riffing here. Give me a break. But uh, yep, I'm back. It's Quanta, by the way. I know what it is. I'm not trying to meet anyone. And uh, we're back again. Uh, it was a fantastic pay per view, but we'll get into that. Um. In the first or the first segment, yes, of course, of course, uh, I have a brief guest on this one, probably not though, but maybe a brief surprise guest at a certain point will come, maybe make a pick, something like that, but uh. Who knows? Who knows what could happen this week? Maybe exactly the same thing as every week. Uh, I'm doing good if anyone cares. Um, I am completely emotionally stable. I am uh, really enjoyed last week's card. Really actually looking forward to Christmas. So it is one of the ho- the holiday that I celebrate. Um, I enjoy the Christmas season as well. I just, you know, I like this. I like this holiday. I like gifts. I like giving gifts. Um, not too much else in the, the notes category here. Um, but might as well just throw the disclaimer in here. Long notes last week, short notes this week. But again, I'm not affiliated with any gym or analyst or blah, blah, blah. I try and, I'm just a fan. I'll try and remain as respectful as possible when discussing the skill sets of the fights and fighters. And within reason, of course, you cannot... Uh, you have to be uh, realistic within uh, the eyes of the 
not the eyes, the, you know, the, their peers, you have to compare them to their peers and judge them based on that. So, and, uh, yeah, that's what we try and do here. We try not to be too flippant. I felt like I was getting into the flippant category last week, if I must say. So I do apologize, uh, for that. Um, if anyone felt that way, who is listening. So, uh, that does it for this portion of the show. Um, we're going to get right into the recap of UFC 269, Poirier versus Oliveira. Heck of a card. I'll see you on the other side, smokers. You gonna get smoked. You gonna get smoked. All right, folks, so, you know, broad strokes as we like to paint, fantastic card, I really have to say. I really do feel like this should have been the, the capper on the year. Seems a little ridiculous that we're writing on Chris the Cop Dacus versus Derek Lewis, but it is what it is, uh, championship only. But, um, yeah, it was really, I mean... Card kind of had a little bit of everything as we like to see on cards like this. Big upsets, that type of deal. But uh, let's get into it. Um, Jillian Robertson submits Priscilla Cachoeira in the first round, towards the end of the first round. I miss a good portion of this fight. And from what I saw, it looked like Jillian Robertson was doing her thing where she's uncomfortable on the feet. And she uh, eventually scores a takedown, works to catch where his back, and ends up submitting her with only so much time left in the round. And the real story of this, because that was a highly predictive outcome, I predicted on my Tapology page that's not the, but Dongman Prophecy on Tapology, because I'm a child. And... Uh, I picked the second round TKO because I I just felt like the ground and pound would be there, which which was there, which set up the RNC, and it was towards the later latter end of the round, anyways. So I feel like it, it was a good read, and uh, yeah, I mean the big story of this bout was the eye poke or the eye gouge, which is I mean. I mean, Priscilla Cashmere is, like, just, like, not a good person. So she has to mess this where we go, we stop being flippant, uh, or we be a little more flippant. She has uh, abused one of her partners in the past and has now done this eye gouge, and I think she's done a few other dirty things. So it looks, it's pointing more towards Cashware on that being like the most greatest of people. But a uh, great win for Robertson, and that's a correct pick for your man. Next fight, we had Tony Kelly getting the job done in the second round, TKO of Randy Costa. I mean, the read was the read was correct here, folks. Survived early. 
Costa's got no gas tank. Both these guys are kind of COVID deniers. Is that why they matched them together? Uh, I mean, it was a good performance. Uh, Tony Kelly called out Charles Rosa or something. I forget. I shouldn't. I shouldn't just be putting words in his mouth. But um, yeah, I, I. I mean, I really like this fight. It was fun, and it was came with a finish. And you know, Tony Kelly had did exactly what he needed to do. Come high pressure. And then he would clinch up with him and wrestle, and that really drained Costa. All right. We picked Kelly there, too. Next up, we've got Ryan Hall, who did not submit Derek Minner. And, I mean, I don't know. I really don't have much to add. Derek Minner grappled with Ryan Hall a lot of the time when it seemed like he could have disengaged. And that's probably why he lost. Ryan Hall looked, I mean, I will say this. Ryan Hall did look like a bit regressed on the feet. And he did, he was absolutely getting tagged on the feet. I don't care what those, you know, flops were, looked like. But, yeah. Uh, I don't know what this win really does for Ryan Hall. It was very predictive. So, in terms of, like, him actually just winning. So, I don't Moving on, I guess. I guess it was like kind of surprising in the fact it was a decision. It was like he was like grappling from his back in one, but he kind of he's kind of done that before, so not too too surprising from him. Next, we picked Aaron Blatchfield to defeat Marina Maverick, and I feel like, yeah. Aaron Blanchfield had a series of takedowns that Miranda Maverick was like, why am I not just, why can't I just hulk out of this? It was good technique from Blanchfield and good control. Um, surprised that Maverick couldn't just out-physical her in certain spots. Like, I'm surprised at how much she was just straight. Like, it wasn't like, You'd think she'd just be able to explode out of, like, one position, but that really didn't happen. But great win for Blanchfield. She's really going to move up in that division, you know? Maybe she'd fight someone like a J.J. Aldrich or something, you know? I think she called out Macy Barber, though. Maybe not. Maybe you're just putting more words in people's mouths. Uh, this is another... Pretty correct read. Andre Muniz submits Eric Anders. Um, it was like a slot fest. They kind of, with some, you know, cage grinding, and it got to. All right, guys, maybe I don't remember this one all that well, but that's how I feel like I'm remembering it. Um, it was a belly down arm bar. That's right. Um, he kind of wasn't, he wasn't using his hands. He was using like, just like his one arm. Trying to think of how he wound up in that position. But yeah, they were engaged in like, kind of like a clinch situation. And that's kind of how, I forget the sequence that 
came to that got to that point. But that's the general read. They were going to clash together, and that Muniz would at some point submit uh, uh, Anders if he didn't get knocked out. So another correct pick. We're going pretty well. Bruno Silva knocked out uh, Jordan Wright. It looked like he was in a bit of trouble here. Jordan Wright's a lot more powerful than I give him credit for. I'll say that. Uh, Here's where the first losses of the card come up. Uh, Gusta Sakai looks to be somewhat of a broken fighter in the UFC's heavyweight division. Seems to lack a bit of confidence. He was knocked out by Taito Avasa. I also doubted Taito Avasa's power in his boxing. I probably won't do that again. Um, Yeah, I really just didn't. I had like the completely wrong read on this fight, but it's also heavyweight, so I I won't uh, shame myself too bad for this for picking Sakai here, thinking he'd gas out Mister uh, Shui there, Taitu Vasa. So the pick with Sakai, Taitu Vasa won by knockout in the second round. Next, another bad one. This. And this one could have went, you know, my way easily. And, uh, you know, with Munoz, I picked Munoz against Cruz here. And uh, he had that first round, and he could never create that another moment in any other round to kind of hurt Cruz. Because, I mean, he definitely knocked out Cruz there for a second. And, I mean, Cruz really had to... Be like, oh, thank you so much to the referee afterwards. Really knowing when people are hurt and stuff. Just like, come on, man. You're just like such a salty, salty dog. Just let it go. But anyways, uh, a great performance for Cruz. He looked better at sitting down, like planting his feet and throwing straight punches than I think I... It's not good. It's not particularly good because he's had like a lifetime's worth of like bad technique kind of trained into him self, basically. And but yeah, he he's fast. He's faster than you'd think. Or maybe Munoz looked was just slow by comparison. But a really good comeback win for Cruz. I don't really I can't remember a time where he'd actually come back like that. So, I mean, Munoz is probably the perfect fighter for for those type of conditions for a fighter like Cruz, but still, impressive stuff this late on in his career. So, I imagine Cruz will be fighting like an Aldo, not like an Aldo, like some of them in that top five next. Next, we had Josh Emmett defeating Dan Ige by three by a decision. I picked Emmett by knockout. He had hurt Dan Ige a couple of times, or maybe it was just the one time. No, he had staggered him in a couple of the rounds. It was the first one he really hurt him, set him on his butt within the first, I think, minute or two. And, yeah, I mean... This was just a this is a razor thin fight. I'll say that. I had Emmett one and three, 
And people were saying that Emmett had, like, no case to win the second round. I have to go back and look at the disparity in the numbers. But, I mean, I really did feel like every round was, like, razor thin. And maybe it, it was all came down to, like, the power of Emmett and, like, the consistency of EA. And the power of Emmett won out. And I agree, I agree with it. And I picked the guy, so I have an implicit bias. Because, I'll be honest, guys, I root for my picks. Or I root specifically for my reads to come true. Like, I want, like, I want what I think on paper to play out. Now, can it be good when... That's not the case, of course, but, like, as someone who's, like, watching them and, like, thinking about them and stuff, or not thinking about it on, like, a super high level or anything, but just, like, as someone who's, like, trying to analyze these things, that's what I want. I want the read to be correct. Um, but, yeah, and I thought the the power of Emmett would win out, and that's kind of what happened, because... Uh, Danny Gay is double tough, and Josh Emmett's one of the only people to really hurt him or put him on his butt. So, yep. Josh Emmett, Nosferatu. Now, this is a mistake. If you go back last week, forgive me, guys. I picked O'Malley on the pod. I did not mean to pick Paiva. <laughs> I meant to pick O'Malley again on uh, Tapology. I know some of you are like, oh, yeah, sure, bud. But you can go back to the pot. I picked O'Malley by, like, first-round stoppage. So I felt the read is correct in this one. Not much to talk about. I mean, it was a first-round knockout. I mean... Stuff happened. Pavo was kicking the leg. He was hanging tough. Uh, there might not be a better fighter who has like better like killer instinct at this point in their career, or like in the UFC, who's able to like be as measured. I know this is gonna draw like some ire from people the zero people who listen to this, but I honestly do think that like he has like some innate traits that make him like a, a decent fighter. I think people pay attention too much to like him being quote unquote, I'm quoting people on Twitter, an idiot and not like what he's doing in the cage. And maybe some analysts are, would have a deeper understanding of, like, oh, this so-and-so would fuck up Sean O'Malley. Like, yeah, but that's not, like, there's a lot of good men's bantamweights, and just to be ranked in that division is something to be said. And so, moving on to a non-ranked men's flyweight, Cody Garbrandt gets knocked out again. And we had this read all the way. I mean, so did everyone else. 
you can't trust a guy who's dropping weight, who's been knocked out a bunch, and that's basically it. And he sh- continues the show for Fight IQ. Uh, Pablo Nibio loses a close decision to Jeff Neal. This, I'll be honest, folks. This this fight was kind of a slog for me. I mean, it was back and forth, and but it seemed like for whatever reason, Jeff Neal couldn't get out of that second gear. And maybe it had something to do with like his private life. I'm not going to go into that. Uh, but it seems like Ponzinibbio was leaving money on the table. Also, Ponzinibbio doing all that weird shit that he was doing really was not only throw, probably throwing Neil off, but me too. Like, geez, dude. Like, he was doing some serious Ric Flair stuff in there that, like, I'm so sorry. It's like Jeff Neal hit him. Hit him. Stop. Stop being like, oh man, he's he's pointing he's pointing at the ref. The ref told you to fight. Hit him. I'm sorry, I'm no I'm not in there. But like I don't agree with Safe Saud on a lot of things. Like when it comes to like like I think he's like he revs it too high. A little too high sometimes in the corner. Like all the time. And what do I know? You know, I'm not a fucking high-level coach. So, like, that's where I disagree with a guy like Say Sayud, um, the coach of Force MMA. But I can only imagine what it was like during the sequences in which, like, Pons Nibio's like, like, oh, I got poked in the eye, even though it was a clear, like, punch that hit him in the eye. And Jeff Neal's like, doing the warrior's path of not hitting him. That, that must be so frustrating. So, I guess it's a good one for Neil. It's a tough opponent. The Pons is still... I feel like he's just like a fight away from being where he was when he went on his hiatus. There's a, there's a fighter that I remember the Pons and Nibia being... Uh, prior to his injuries that I still think that he can be. And this performance is close, but it's not quite it. I think the the original Ponzinibbio, who had tons of success before his injuries, probably could have beaten this Jeff Neal. Uh, now we move on to one of the biggest... Upsets in USC history. Uh, Nuna, Amanda Nunes is submitted by Juliana Pena. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because, like, A, I really just, it was like, it feels like a very simple thing right now to look at, even though nobody was picking it except a couple few people that I respect in terms of their analysis. But like it seemed like from now this is from people who aren't it who don't who would say that they 
don't analyze MMA. And they're more of a casual fan of the sport at this point. They felt like Nunes didn't take Pena seriously. And I would have to, I mean, to a certain extent, I feel like I have to agree. Like, and, because, like, the lack of discipline, it was astounding when she was getting hit. Like, she just lost all of her composure. Almost exactly what happened in the cyborg fight, except the other, she was the one who was doing it. Where it's like, oh, I'm just going to knock you out. I'm just going to, and I have to say, even in the sequences where they're just trading hook, like hooks, and I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to talk about the technique of the hooks, but it was just, a, it was a slobber knocker type deal. I was like, okay, Peña is just going to fall down. And, you know, and then you have the quick tap there at the end. Just a, a lot of this is a bat speaks to a person who's not, who's not taking their opponent seriously, in my opinion. That's just me. Like the lack of discipline in your technique when you're being tagged, where you're, you're missing, you're missing like by like 10 feet on low kicks and jabs. And then you get tagged more, you get tagged more, and then you're just swinging hooks. Like, come, like, and then the quick tap, because you're exhausted. I mean, I'll let the cat out of the bag. I'm picking Nunez if there's a rematch, which I'm sure they're going to make. And if they don't make, I really have to question, like, the, like, the matchmaking. Like, there. Like, do they think Pena's a draw? Do they think, do they want to just, like, have Valentina carry two belts? And then, like, have Nunez take the second belt from her? And then maybe they could do, like, a Pena rematch where she rematches Nunez for the title again. But Nunez has the belt again. I don't know. Seems pretty obvious to they would be doing a rematch. And now I've spent so much time if I, I said I wouldn't be talking about it. Now I probably won't spend any time on this. Chucky Olives gets it done. We have a perfect pick here on uh, the tapologies here. Sub in the third round. We knew that Charles Oliveira would have to weather a storm here. And we knew that Charles Oliveira would have to would control the directionality of this fight. And we knew that if he did that and pushed Dustin Poirier into the cage, that he would eventually take his back and submit him. We knew those things, or, or create a submission opportunity. But what we didn't know is that if you grab Dustin Poirier's glove, he will literally just flop to his back for no reason. Or at least in my, incredibly, it's like grappling... Grappling technique, that's, you know, when we get into more advanced striking technique, that's where, like, you can lose me when it's, like, has to do with, like, subtle subtlety of footwork and, you know, maybe a defensive adjustment I'll be a little more blind to. 
but like grappling can be uh, just as mysterious in a lot of situations uh, for me, unless we're dealing in like broad strokes. And Dustin Poirier is a person who makes large mistakes when he's pressured in grappling situations. And this is now an MO. This isn't, I mean, it was an MO before this fight, and that's why we picked it. So, I mean, what a first round, though. My Lord. Oh, so exciting. I can't even tell you what happened. I wish I could I wish I could go back and watch it. But I have to wait. Or unless somebody hook it up, you know? Anyways, uh yeah. So but I can tell you that Charles was in trouble in the first round. He was managed to rally and you know Charles Lionheart Oliveira is here to stay people. You can't say that you can break him mentally because nobody can. You can't do it. You cannot. You cannot mentally break this man anymore. He's been through too much, too many wars at this point. And he decided, fuck getting broken. I, I'm just going to become iron. After I bend a little bit, that's when I become like iron, dude. And, uh, yeah. Great one. Gotta say this. Both these guys, pound for pound, some of the nicest dudes. I know uh, Charles donates a large portion of his purse to the favela that he grew, grew up in. I think I mentioned this last week. And I obviously you have uh, Dustin Poirier's, I think it's For the Fight Foundation. I'm going to look it up just Just so everyone is clear. Hold on, folks. I know this is dead air, but I th- I, f- I feel like th- this is like an important thing. The Good Fight Foundation is uh, Dustin Poirier's uh, charity. So, and... I thought it was a little messed up with Charles to just be like, hey, man, you donate money to my favela after I just whooped your ass. But, I mean, I mean, Dustin would have said yes no matter what. I feel like he's just that type of guy, you know? So, God, I really wish they could just give Dustin a belt and say, hey, you're a champion. Because that's kind of uh, – we're going to wax poetic for the next four minutes, I think. I think these, the lightweight is a division that deserves that. And uh, this fight, and this championship is a division that kind of deserves that. Um, I really wish we could get like Dustin, just like a belt or like a Tony Ferguson. I feel like lightweight has had like multiple champions with, and then you have like Khabib at the same time where he's just kind of wrecked them. And I know people have said like, Oh, I'd love to see Charles take on Khabib, this and that. And I'm absolutely not going to dispel whether or not he can win that matchup. I was going to say, 
Khabib's retired, and it's not gonna. It's probably not gonna happen. So, Chucky Alls is not the champion that we want. It's he's the champion we need. And uh, wow, just just when I think that I'm going to get like tired of like watching this sport, there's a round like the first round of that championship lightweight title belt where I'm like I can't I can't believe people can do this at such a high level I honestly cannot believe it so I really do like I appreciate it I I really do I really do so we're going to move on to a throwing card next week. Actually, there are, I think there are a couple of good fights on that card. It's uh, Dawkins versus Lewis. So we'll be getting into that coming into on the other side. All right, folks. See you then. He gonna get smoked. He gonna get smoked. back smokers um for lewis versus Dawkins, and i think i alluded to on the recap that this is actually an okay card there are a couple fights on here that kind of kind of get your hype get the juices flowing still think last week's card should have capped the year off but anyways um Gonna try and go through this one a little bit quickly. I know I probably have said that a lot lately, but uh, might as well just hop right into it. We have a, oh, God dang it. I didn't even have the odds up, guys. Look at me trying to be fucking fast and uh, looking like a, I'll just yell at the fucking producer. Producer! Fucking idiot. That person's going to lose their fucking job, guys. I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to do it to them, but they're fucking up. Can, producer, can you put the odds up? Jesus. Thank you. A month of Sundays, as an old boss of mine used to say. Why couldn't you just say a month? Anyways, our first belt on the card is a lightweight belt between Matt Sales and Jordan Levitt. Uh, so Matt Sales is the guy that got uh, pretty beaten up by Shaman Marais, but got sucked off by the commentary because he was like swaying with everything and jordan levitt is the unorthodox man who had the absolutely vicious slam ko of one matt wyman and yeah sales i do like a lot of what he does on the feet don't get me wrong don't think the commentary was even necessarily wrong with what they were saying Matt Sales was still losing that fight against Shaman Morais. 
uh, sales hasn't really found any, excuse me, folks, any success here in the UFC. I mean, he beat Kyle Nelson, one of the, a guy who's going to finish you in the first round or he's going to lose. Uh, and then he lost to Bryce Mitchell by Twister. No shame in that game necessarily. Um, Jordan Levitt, on the other hand, had one of the most underwhelming performances I've ever seen in a fight against Claudio Poilus. That fight sucked. Sorry, I don't normally say that. I don't think neither man took a terrible amount of damage in that fight. So I'm going to go out and say it. That fight sucked. Um, not a lot happened. He met uh, Levitt, that is. Uh, competent grappler pointless and uh, kind of shut down his whole his whole grappling game and uh, I don't think that's going to be the case here in sales as long as he pressures and gets sales to the cage which I feel like he is want to do I do think Jordan Levitt has uh, can get tired he does not look like a very physical athlete either, but now there are sales. Um, this is a very tentative pick, by the way. And uh, technique-wise, can't really offer too much other than I... If <laughs> This is going to be one of the classic styles make fights. And I know an analyst, a mean one, I, at that, but he's not necessarily wrong that Silas Week Fights is one of the laziest forms of analysis you can give, but I think it applies in this case. Sorry, we're doing construction over here, and uh, yeah, they were moving some cinder blocks or something. That was weird. <laughs> Anyways, we'll look at the odds for the next bout. For this bout, it's a pick of odds, minus 110 for both men. Moving on, we have a heavyweight belt between Dante Mays and Josh Parisian. This is going to be hard, folks. It's going to be hard not to be flippant with these men because they could beat me up. Certainly could. But I can't fight the USC. Um, yeah, I mean, Dante Mays is just a muscly mess, kind of. And Josh Parisian is kind of like a doughy mess, if that's fair. I'm kind of just going to go with the guy who looks better coming off the bus. Um, both these guys are coming off of wins over Roque Martinez, Roque Martinez. And one of them has a split decision win, and that's the guy I'm picking against, Parisian. So I don't really have a terrible a lot of depth to add to this one. Yeah, it looks like exactly as I thought. Parisian is like kind of like a top position 
ground and pound artists at heavyweight. But who knows? That could definitely work against a guy like Dante Mace. So, the pick is Dante Mace. I don't really have anything to back it up. Neither does the odds makers, for that matter. Please don't bet on this, even if you get it right. So, Dante Mace is the... So, moving on to the next bout. We have... Sorry, getting the odds here. Uh, Raquel Pennington taking on Macy Kiesan. And I won this bad weight bout. I waffled on this one a little bit. And I think what it comes down for me is that Macy Kiesan is big. Yes. But I don't think that she's particularly powerful. Um, she is when she gets on top. Um, but she has difficulty getting her there, getting people there. Uh, I don't think she's very core strong, and that's where a lot of takedowns come from. Uh, and I don't necessarily see the type of like trip takedowns that she hits working on Raquel Pennington. I don't see it, see her holding her down necessarily. And I just find uh, Pennington to be the more composed. Uh, tactical uh, technician and probably even the stronger fighter uh, like physically stronger fighter so the pick's going to be Pennington here probably by decision folks uh, she is the minus 270 favorite to Kazon's plus 230 underdog next we have Andre Yule taking on Charles Jordan. I think this is like relatively simple to call. Andre Yule is a meat and potatoes one two striker who really can't do anything else and uses his length to insulate himself. He's got a couple of chokes, I should say, just because of his long arms. And Charles Jordan's a bit of a wild man. He takes a little bit of revving up to get going. I expect that. Uh, uh, unless Yule hits him really clean, I mean, he's going to hit him really clean unless he just puts his lights out in the first round. I expect uh, Jordan to beat him up in the latter half of the fight. So, and, you know, Jordan could find the finish either in the second or the third round here. I, and most likely by knockout, but uh, I do think Jordan has a couple sub ones on his record as well, and Yule's no type of grappler. So, the pick is Jordan. He is the plus 225 favorite to Yule's plus 162 dog. I could see this even be a little, uh, little bit wider. It wasn't long ago that Jordan was, like, fighting ranked opponents. Uh, I know he's kind of dropped off. People have kind of figured him out. But I don't know if Yule is any type of fighter to do any of that. Uh, that was a men's featherweight belt. Next up, we have Sajara Eubanks taking on Melissa Gatto. Um, 
I think for me, this, I mean, I hate it because I never want to take Sajaru Diggs to win any fights because I just think her style is like so hodgepodge. But Gato appears she is satisfied with grappling from her back. And if she does that against you, Biggs, I expect her to just like be held there and lose. So. Uh, the pick is going to be Eubanks. She is the minus 213 favorite to Gato's plus 180 underdog. Although Gato does look like a, she is physical. Uh, yeah. She looks like an athlete. Next we have a heavyweight bout between Justin Taffa and Harry Hunsucker. I got to say, I'm not going to do any in-depth analysis of this one. I'm picking Hunsucker because I think it would be pretty funny if uh, Justin Taffa got knocked out by a guy named Hunsucker. That's only because I don't have anything against Taffa. It's just that everyone in West Indy looks up to him. West Indy, Australia. And... They're talking about how he's like the toughest guy in West Indy, Australia. So that's my analysis here. Uh, Hansucker's the plus 240 underdog. Tafa's minus 350 favorite. Those odds are way too far apart. It's a heavyweight fight. Next, we have Hani Barcelos taking on Victor Henry. Don't know much about uh, Victor Henry. Um, he looks to be somewhat of a journeyman. Oh, oh, what just one second here? Looks to be a bit of a journeyman. Um, Excuse me. One second. Oh my god. Why did I click on the UFC website? Holy shit, this is horrible. Wow. That was absolutely useless. UFC really makes it damn near impossible to uh, find which card it is via the website. Or not even that, just like the time to watch. It's like, why make that so hard? Shouldn't that be like the first thing? Anyways. Whoa. I just clicked on Victor Henry there. I still have no information. Well, let's talk about Barcelos. He's a power kickboxer, Muay Thai fighter, and has a power wrestling game. Everything he, pretty much everything he does is with power. He's actually one of my favorite fighters. One of those, one of the, uh, just a guy who kind of showed up out of nowhere and uh, had a winning streak. I think that was unjustly uh, 
um, broken by Timor Value Timor Valiev. I thought he won that fight. Um, I'm not sure what skills he has more fights than Hani Barcelos, which is interesting. Um, straight footwalk loss. That's interesting. It's only ever lost by decision or uh, the white submission. Oh, excuse me. He is 34. So, you know, this is really going to, looks to be like a, going to be a very tough, tough, tough fight for both of these men. I kind of let the cat out of the bag. I'm going to pick Barcelos because he's just had the length of fighting tougher competition. No offense to Victor Henry here, but his last win, um, which was his last fight, was against Albert Morales, who is a former UFC fighter, I believe. Yes. Uh, who's 10-8 and, and 1 now. He was, he's not terribly great at a high level. And uh, uh, then he lost to a 9-2 and two guy prior to that. He was 33. Not exactly... Guys that aren't exactly setting the world on fire in MMA. Um, so a tentative pick on Barcelos. I imagine this will actually be a tough fight. Now that I'm looking at Victor Henry's record, he looks like a tough son of a gun. So should be a good scrap. Uh, Barcelos is the minus 276 favorite to Victor Henry's plus thir- 234 underdog. That's a uh, bantamweight. Men's bantamweight. Next, we have Gerald Mearshart fighting Dustin Stoltzoff. And, uh, yeah. Um, I kind of just want to pick Dustin Stoltzoff. Because I know that Gerald Mearshart is going to try and, like, box with him a little bit. And... Like, and, like, the fact that, um, Gerald Mearshart is so slow, too. I just think he's going to be able to catch it. Well, this guy's got a twister on his record. Impressive. Although, he looks like to be a grappler. grappler. Am I confusing him with someone else? I might be. And he only has one win by punches. I could have sworn this was Stoltzoff was like a kickboxer, but um, the last person he faced was admittedly a really high-level grappler, higher level than Mearshart. Mearshart's been submitted himself. Adolfo Fiera. I mean, I'm just going to pick the guy who, I mean, I just don't... Oh, he has competed in kickboxing. He lost in the first round, though. Uh, I'm going to pick the guy who I feel like uh, is more durable at this point and has less mileage on his body. Like, Solsoff is 30. has 16 fights. 
Gerald Mearshart has 47 fights and is 33. So he's, he's cramming a lot in there. I know he beat Mahmoud Muradov, but which you only get so many of those, but I don't think it's happening. Not that, not that Stoltzov is a Mahmoud Muradov. But the pick is Dustin Stoltzov. He's the plus one eighty nine underdog to Gerald Mearsheim's plus two thirty one. Favorite. Next up, we have Darren Elkins taking on Cub Swanson. And honestly, I found this to be a little bit simple. Uh, I can't think of a person Cub Swanson has beat, beaten that has a consistent uh, wrestling attack. So I'm picking Elkins. That's about it. I know these guys are two legends. I think we just... Uh, but Elkins may be longer in the tooth in terms of damage, but I'm going with him. Going with the damage. He's the plus 150 underdog to Cub Swanson's um, minus 188 favorite. Another one of my guys here. This should be a great fight. Uh, Matthias Gamrat taking on Carlos Diego Fejea. Now, this is another, this is about that has layers to it. Um, Matthias Gamerot, when he first came to the UFC, has had a very championship style. I think he's only one or two fights removed from his debut. Oh. One or two fights removed from his debut. And, uh, where is it here? Yeah. So he's just been smashing people. Kind of give him a layup. In the last fight, no offense to Jeremy Stevens, but that's an under 500 fighter at this point in his UFC career. And he fucking just knocks the hell out of Scott Holtzman. But he loses to uh, Kudalatse, teammate of one uh, Chimeyev. It seemed like in that bout, they lacked a sense of urgency. And like, and then in these two bouts, there was like a finishing potential, which he has not shown, like even on when he was fighting in KSW. So I'm wondering if he's just like found something in his game right now where he's just firing at all cylinders, all comers are just going to go down. And Carlos Diego Ferreira is a guy who's been finished a couple of times by punches. It does look like uh, Gamera is, you know, quite the puncher. Um, I guess 
Huh. I could have sworn, uh, where is it? Cerrone must have. Must have. I could have sworn uh, Cerrone had head kicked um, Carlos Diego Ferreira at some point. Maybe that was Pettis and he jumped on his back. Yeah, whatever. Oh, he, he beat Pettis. Huh. That's interesting. But the... Ferreira missing weight in his last bout. Him being 36. Uh, being finished. Really do point me in the direction of Gamrot. Wish I had more layers to it. I don't expect him to be shooting tam- takedowns, Gamrot, because everyone is afraid to take down CDF. But honestly, I'd love to see him challenge him there. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add. Uh, CDF is the underdog. He's the plus 150 underdog to Matthias Gamrot's minus 175 favorite. Hopefully he does that cool thing. He did. I can't even remember what it was, but I just remember he did like the slickest fucking move to Scott Holtzman. Now, moving on, we move to a bantamweight bout between... Ricky Simone and Rafael Asuncao. And this may surprise some of you. I'm going to pick Asuncao here. And reason being is uh, I feel like Ricky Simone is the type of pace fighter that can really just be cowed by his opponent. Yeah, he's, I mean... He's not really fighting. He hasn't really been fighting. I guess I don't have too much evidence to base that off of. Rob Font, I mean, Rob Font was able to cow him with like jabs and stuff. The question is like whether or not a sunset was able to do that with less volume, with, like, the threat of, like, a left hook. And I think he'll be able to. Because Asuncao's done that to a lot of people. It's a lot harder to wrestle than, let's say, like, a Haniyaya. Or a... Or like a Brian Kelleher. These are people who are just going to give up like position and try and submit you. And uh, I don't think a Sun Sao will be as apt to do that. I think he will, he'll wrestle and uh, he'll get to the center again and wrestle. And rinse and repeat and kick uh, Ricky Simone's lead leg when he gets the chance. He was very snappy, uh, low kick, calf kick. And uh, yeah, I do think sometimes I was just going to be able to cow 
Simone with his Cal Simone with his threats. In a similar way to Rob Font was able to with his length. So the pick is the Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu is, excuse me, the minus 275, nope, plus 225 underdog. Simone is the minus 275 favorite. I can see that. I'm just taking a fire on the old guy here, kind of. Next up, I mean, guys, if you've heard me talk about Amanda Vamos in the past, I've kind of talked about her cyborg uh, sister, upper weight class, Talia Santos. I have very high praise for this young lady. Um, she looks like Android 18 and is probably going to finish Angela Hill. I I mean, Angela Hill's just getting long in the tooth. And, like, the speed and the athleticism difference at this point, I think it's just going to be too much. I just don't know. This is just going to be one of those things where it's like, Angela Hill's going to have to be hitting Lemos three, three for one. Just to, in my opinion, you have to see how the bout plays out, but... When you're doing, you're making other women straw weights do somersaults because you hit them once. And I don't think Angela Hill will be able to deal with that. Now, you know, maybe Angela Hill will clinch. Maybe she'll, like, just be, I no, I just expect there to be a physical disparity here that he'll won't be able to bridge with her technique. Um, but, you know, maybe Lemos is susceptible to takedowns that I haven't seen. But I'm not picking that. Uh, Lemos is the minus 350 uh, favorite. Hill is the my plus 275 underdog. Another quick one. Uh, Stephen, uh, these next two are probably going to be fairly quick. Just because uh, Stephen Thompson taking on Bilal Muhammad. I, I got to be honest here, guys. Uh, I don't think very highly of Bilal Muhammad when it comes to fighting very highly ranked fighters. That's because he has almost no finishing potential and has to fight damn near perfect fights in order to beat them because they all have to, they'll all be going to decision and all of his opponents will have the luxury of finishing him. Now he's super durable, but he's one of the most hittable men in the division or was at one point. Uh, but he's super smart and I just don't think being smart will be enough to bridge the gap in this one dealing with the karate stylings of one Stephen Thompson. Because only a few people have ever done that. And I expect a finish from Stephen Thompson, probably late. Uh, just attritional damage. Smashing up that nose. Uh, so the pick is Stephen Thompson. Minus 250 favorite for Thompson to Bilal's plus 210. 
uh, underdog. Now we have the main event of the evening. Chris Dawkins taking on Derek Lewis. Now the simple read is here. If you try and wrestle Derek Lewis, you often are finished. If you try and you're if you try and strike with Derek Lewis, you're an okay striker. You pretty much almost always win. Chris Dawkins pretty much never takes people down, and he's an okay boxer. So we're picking Chris Dawkins to finish Derek Lewis. So that does it for the last card of the year in terms of uh, previews. Um, I'll probably release an episode, maybe like a 10-minute thing, if there's uh, no card. When there's no card. Uh going into the holidays. So uh, thanks for so much for listening, guys, and do your best to try not and get smoked. You gonna get smoked. You gonna get smoked. He got nothing left but fire.